0: Well, we're starting a brand new series of messages this week, which I've titled, Follow. What does that word even mean? Follow. When I say follow, what comes to your mind? One definition of follow is to come after something. As in the phrase, a rainbow will often follow a good rainstorm. It simply comes after with social media, we now have a new definition of follow, which essentially means to keep tabs on somebody or spy on somebody or, you know, whatever word you want to use. But I want to know what they're doing. So I'm going to follow them. I want to keep tabs on what they're thinking and where they're going. And I remember in the early days of, of, of Twitter, um, it, it used to bug me because some people, they would tweet everything. You know, I'm I'm going to Red Robin. I ordered You know, whatever. I mean, I don't care to know that much information about somebody. Unfortunately, most people have kind of calmed down on some of that, but we follow people on social media because we want to know what they're doing, what they're thinking. How many followers do you have? Do you know? Some people brag about it, and they think that the more followers they have, the more important they are in life. How many people are following you, or how many people are you following? Some people follow certain news feeds or blogs, because they have an interest in a certain topic or a certain subject, so they follow a certain news station to get the latest news, and as soon as a new news item comes up, it comes in. Some people faithfully follow the stock market, because they want to see if their investments are going up or down. People follow the weather, People follow sports. Some people follow all sports. Some people follow just a particular sport or a particular sports team. I want to know the news. I want to know when somebody's about to be traded or when a, when a team makes a contract with this person or something. I'm going to follow them. Of course, the primary definition of follow is to let someone else lead and show you the way. This is very helpful if you don't know where you're going. Now, how many of you have ever gone somewhere and you didn't know how to get there? And he said, you lead, I'll follow. But what happens if you're following somebody that also doesn't know where they're going? Have you ever had that experience? You're following somebody and they lead you to the wrong place. Or they think they knew they were, where they were going. And don't ask my kids. They can tell you some stories about following me places. Everybody is following somebody, whether they admit it or not. In fact, a phrase that's been thrown around a lot lately is the phrase, don't be a sheep. How many have heard that? Don't be a sheep, which means don't follow the crowd. Don't just follow anybody. Which, and although I agree with that to a certain extent, we want to be careful who we're following. Really, we're called sheep, aren't we? Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. We should be following primarily Jesus, but we should also pick other people who are going ahead of us, who have been where we want to go, and they can help lead us to where we want to go. So it's not bad to be a sheep. You just want to make sure you're following the right shepherd. And what makes me laugh, usually when I read those things, don't be a sheep. And if I read the whole thing, what somebody's writing, what they're saying is, don't be a sheep. Don't follow that person. Instead, follow me. I have the answers. I know the right way. Don't follow them, but come follow me because I have all the answers. As I've already said, everyone is following somebody. There are really very few true leaders in the world. And even those that we do consider leaders are usually following a teaching or a method that they learned from someone else. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that shouldn't be leading anybody because they really have no idea what they're talking about. And yet they're recruiting people or people are thinking they're really cool and know what they're doing and following them anyway, just because it sounds good, but they're following somebody who's going to get them lost. To admit that you don't have all the answers... And to put yourself under someone who does have the answers is actually a good place to be. The key is to make sure that you're learning from and following someone who will actually get you to where you want to go and not get you lost. When Jesus was here on earth, there was one invitation that he gave more than any other. You know what that was? Follow me. He was constantly saying, follow me. Mark chapter one, verses 16 to 20 says, as Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee and his brother, John in a boat preparing their nets without delay. He called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jump over to Mark, chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, who we know as Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, let's go to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see said Philip. So we just read the accounts of six people who received direct invitations from Jesus to follow him and one who was introduced to Jesus by his brother. Philip was so convinced that he had found the Messiah, he didn't want to keep it to himself. He invited his brother to join him, said, come see, I'm going to start following this person. You need to come follow him too because he's the one that we've been waiting for. He's the one that has all the answers. But what I want you to notice is that all these men walked away from everything else to follow Jesus at just a simple invitation. Simon and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. That means they left their livelihood. That was how they made their living. They left their nets. They said, we don't need these anymore because we've got a new mission in life. We're going to pick up a new lifestyle. We're leaving this and we're going to follow Jesus. James and John left their father and the hired workers, hired fishermen to follow Jesus. Again, they walked away from their old life. That's what repentance is. Repentance is changing your direction. I was going this way. I had these things that were important to me. These were my goals in life. But unfortunately, a lot of our goals don't line up to his goals. So we say, you know what? Anything that doesn't line up to what he's doing. If he's not going this direction, I'm no longer going to walk this direction either I'm going to leave all that behind, and I'm going to start following Jesus. I love it when I do that. I never think about that until I turn around. I turn and I turn and start walking towards the cross. That's Amen. awesome. I don't even plan that. It's just I turn and I go. I'm walking towards the cross. The world behind me. The cross before me. Oh. Levi or Matthew left the taxes sitting on the table and followed Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? What did he do? He's there. He's a tax collector. He's sitting there collecting taxes as people are coming in, probably as they're coming into the temple, collecting the temple tax or, or, you know, whatever. He's got all this money. Jesus says, follow me. What did Matthew do? Did he take all that money? He said, here, Jesus, you can have this money. I mean, it's possible, but I think he just left the money sitting there on the table. Now, could you imagine an IRS agent leaving the money and walking away from it. But Matthew said, this man is worth following. I'm giving this up. Let the, the chips fall wherever they may. I don't know what kind of trouble I'm going to get into for my employer for leaving this here. But I found something more important. I'm leaving that behind. And I'm following Jesus. We aren't positive what Philip and Nathaniel did for a living. But it's assumed that they also were fishermen, because in John 21, they were in the boat fishing with Peter, Andrew, James, and John, when Jesus appeared to them on shore after his resurrection. So we assume that they were both fishermen also. That was a a primary occupation for those that lived around the Sea of Galilee. So they probably left their fishing behind. But regardless of what their occupation was, they too gave it all up to follow Jesus full time. What was it that made them want to follow Jesus? You'll notice Jesus didn't spend a lot of time trying to convince them why they should follow him. Jesus said, hey, can we have coffee together? I want to talk to you about my mission. I want to talk to you about who I am. I want to prove to you based on scripture that I am the promised Messiah. He didn't spend much time trying to convince them. He just walking by and said, hey, come follow me. They said, okay. They followed. What was it that made them want to follow. Now, we have to understand that Jesus wasn't the only person at that time to have disciples. In those days, it was very common for people to find someone that they admired and respected and want to imitate them. It's not totally uncommon today. A lot of people are trying to imitate someone else. Saul, who we know as Paul, before his conversion was a disciple of Gamaliel. He was an expert in Jewish law. And he was really high up in the Sanhedrin, in the leadership of Israel. And Paul was studying under him. And historians say that if he had continued on the path that he was on, he would have been serving in a position on the Sanhedrin, in the Supreme Court of the land. Because he was a student. He was a pupil. He was, we now today call it intern. We don't call them discipleships anymore. We call them internships. He was an intern of Gamaliel. In Acts 22, Paul said that he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. That was a sign of, I'm just going to get down here. You remember the story of Mary and Martha, and one of them sat at the feet of Jesus, just learning from him, and the other one was trying to do all these things. Just I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to listen to you. You have the answers. I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to soak it all up. You speak into my life. You tell me what I need to know. You tell me where I need to go. I am right here, and until you get up and move, I'm going to stay right here. Jesus talked, or the words disciple and follower, now intern, are used interchangeably in the New Testament. It wasn't uncommon for people to find someone that they highly respected, someone that they thought had the answers to life and come under their authority and teaching. I'm not going to think for myself. I'm going to let you think for me. I will only say what you tell me to say. I will only do what you tell me to do because I believe that you have the answers to life. Essentially, they wanted to become exactly like their teacher. They wanted to think, talk, and act like their teacher. And Jesus talked about this very thing in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. He said, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be... Like their teacher. When someone found someone they completely admired and respected, they made it their goal to become exactly like that person. It also wasn't uncommon for someone to move in with their teacher. And basically, become a servant to that teacher so they can spend more time with them and learn from observation as well as lecture. Because, how many b- believe the saying that says, you know, people learn more by what you do than what you say? We can read all the books we want. We can attend all the lectures we want, but the real way to find out how to do something or to find out how somebody does something is to spend time with them, to get in the trenches with them, to work side by side with them. The more time you spend with someone, the more like them you become. Let me say that again. The more time you spend with someone, the more like them you become. Think about the people you hang out with. Are those the people you want to become like? Now, there are times when we need to go out and find people that we're going to mentor. We're going to disciple and bring them along on the journey. But we need to make sure that we're spending the majority of our time with somebody that we want to emulate. That's why it's important to spend time with Jesus. There's no way we can become like Jesus without spending time with him. And the more time we spend with him, the more like him we become. And there's a difference between just sitting in church on Sunday morning and listening to Pastor Jerry tell you how it is and actually spending time with Jesus. The more time you spend, the more like him. You become. That's what a disciple wanted. A disciple wanted to be exactly like their master. The disciple said, we like this guy's mission. We like what he's doing. We want to learn to do what he does. We want to be mini Jesus, is essentially what they were saying. Now, over my years of ministry, I've had many interns. And I haven't put a lot of pressure on my interns. They usually came to me and said, hey, we want to learn from you. We want to learn to do what you do. And I always told them all the same thing. I said, okay, we'll have certain times, you know, once a week or twice a week or however, we'll just sit down for an hour, we'll just talk, and we're going to go through some books together, go through the curriculum. I'm going to teach you, I'm going to try to download this into you. But if you really want to learn, you need to be with me as much as possible. said, so I can teach you so much by sitting and just talking and going through a curriculum, but you're going to learn more by observation. And so I'm giving you an open invitation to be with me whenever possible. You tell me how much time you want to spend. And if at all possible, we will make that happen. And there's a couple of times when I actually put an extra desk in my office at the church. And when they weren't at work or they weren't at school, they were sitting in my office doing their schoolwork, because a lot of them were college students. So they were working on their schoolwork in my office. And while they're in my office, they're hearing my telephone conversations. As I'm preparing a message or I'm doing something, I'm talking out loud about what I'm doing. So they're hearing it and they're asking questions. If I went on a hospital visitation, they came with me on the hospital visitation. If I had an appointment with somebody, they went to that appointment unless there was occasions when there was something that was a little sensitive. I said, you have to sit out on this one. Um, You're not ready for this yet. But most of the time they were with me. When I went to lunch, they went to lunch with me. Occasionally they bought, usually I bought. A couple of them actually said, we want to spend more time with you. Is there any way we can move in with you? And we had a couple of interns at different times that actually lived in our house. One of them was a a girl, and Cassie was so excited, she finally had a sister. She'd always wanted a sister, and so she finally had a sister. They actually lived with us. And looking back at all the interns I've had, the ones who have really made it in ministry, in fact... They have exceeded anything that I ever taught them. Anything because God went above and beyond that. The ones who spent the most time with me are the ones who have been successful. The ones who have actually learned it and actually done it. I had other interns who just came to the classes that I had, and that was it. And they got into ministry, and two years later they burn out, and they're no longer in ministry at all. Those who spent time with me, I had one in particular. It's a Northwest University student. It's when we are in the Seattle area and wanted to intern with me, and that was one of the requirements for their program. They had to be an intern, and so churches up there get the luxury of getting interns to come in, Um, but they can kind of pick whoever they want and ask. Wanted to come intern with me. This is one of my, actually put a desk in my office, and it's there. This guy was going to school full-time, working 35 hours a week at Safeway. But anytime he wasn't in school or at Safeway, he was in my office. Spending time, I think he was at least 25 hours a week with me, plus the 35 hours a week at Safeway and everything else. And we go late into the night. He hung out at the house. This one didn't move in with me, but he hung out at the house. We did everything together. He's now pastoring a multi-site church with about 5,000 people in the church. Now, I'm not saying that to say I'm so great. But I like to think, and if you talk to him, he'll say a lot of who he is today came from the time he spent with me. I think there's probably somebody better he could have spent time with. But still, I got to play a role in that. But it was because he invested the time and said, this is what I want. I believe in what this person is doing. I believe that this person is actually hearing from God and following God. So I want to learn because the ultimate goal is to follow God, not follow an individual. But sometimes we need somebody to follow in order to follow God and to learn from somebody who's been above us. I had other interns that came and they interned under me because it was a requirement. And so they wanted to intern with me. And so they came and they interned with me, but they barely showed up to the stuff they were required to be at. Never spent any other time. They burn out after two years of ministry because they didn't invest the time to actually learn what they needed to learn. The more time you spend with someone, the more like them you become. Jesus' disciples, he said, follow me. And they knew what that meant. Follow. Follow. Okay, if I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow 100%. I'm not going to be a part-time disciple. I want to be a full-time disciple. And they essentially moved in with Jesus, although he had no place to live. They lived on this, he told them that. He said, I don't have a place to lay my head at night. We just sleep wherever, wherever we could find. They followed Jesus. They gave up their comfort or whatever comfort they had. You know, even if the comfort was sleeping on the boat, it was more comfortable than some the places Jesus slept. They gave that up and said, we want to eat what Jesus eats. We want to sleep where Jesus sleeps. We want to do what Jesus does. We want to help him because you learn more by doing than you do by listening, right? John the Baptist had disciples. We skipped over that part, but two of Jesus' disciples were actually disciples of John the Baptist first, Let's go back and catch up on that part of the story. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. It says, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John, so one of John's disciples, had said, and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now this is the same Andrew and Simon that we read about earlier who left their nets to follow Jesus. Okay, this is earlier in the story. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, John told him about Jesus. He went to check out Jesus, decided Jesus was the Messiah, and had the reliable testimony of John the Baptist to say that this is the Messiah. So it was easy for him when Jesus said, follow me, he goes, man, I was waiting for you to ask. Yeah, I'm with you. And left John to become a full-time disciple of Jesus. But he was so excited, he said, I'm not going to do this alone. He told his brother, you need to come check it out. So later when Jesus was walking by the sea and saw Simon and Andrew fishing and said, come follow me. They both said, yes, we will follow. Now, how do you think John the Baptist felt about his followers leaving to follow Jesus? John answers that question himself in John chapter 3. Someone came to John the Baptist and asked him how he felt. He said, hey, your followers are leaving. Following this other guy. You know, doesn't that upset you? And John said in John 3.30, he must become greater. I must become less. See, John the Baptist never wanted followers for himself. He didn't brag about how many people followed him on Twitter. His goal was always to point people to someone greater than himself. His goal was to push people towards Jesus. And if following him meant he could lead them to Christ, which was his goal, that was okay. But once he was able to actually introduce them to Christ, he said, now it's time for Jesus to take over. It's time to you follow the real man, not just someone who's following the man. We aren't told about the backgrounds of some of Jesus' other disciples. But it's obvious from what we know about Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, and Nathaniel that they already met Jesus prior to the formal invitation to follow. Like many others had already been following, like many others, they had already been following Jesus' teachings and miracles from a distance for a while, and all they needed was a simple invitation: "Follow me," to give up everything for Jesus and His cause. They were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. They were convinced that he was the way, the truth, and the life. They wanted to learn everything they could about him and from him. They wanted to become exactly like their master and teacher. Before it became an organized religion, the Christian faith was a movement about Jesus. Christianity, its heart, is not a set of ethical teachings, although Jesus frequently taught people how to live. Fundamentally, Christianity is not about attending church services or even practicing spiritual disciplines. Though if you trust and follow Jesus, you will adopt His way of life. The first followers of Jesus believed that Jesus was the center and source of life. So they left everything. They said, we can't live life without Him. What did Paul say? In Him we live and move and have our being? They said, this is Life. I will follow him because there is no life without him. They said, We will do what he tells us to do. We're not capable of thinking for ourselves. We're okay with being a sheep because we're following the good shepherd, the smart shepherd, the all knowing shepherd. Galatians chapter 2.20 probably summarizes the true reality of the life for true followers of Christ better than any other verse. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Many people want the salvation that Jesus offers. But nothing else. They want just enough of Jesus to get into heaven. But they want Him to stay out of their everyday decisions and everyday life. Many people are willing to give Him one day per week. But the other six days, they seldom even stop to think about Him. Being saved is wonderful. But it shouldn't stop there. Following Jesus should be transformational. When we become a disciple of Jesus, we're given a new life, a new identity, a new calling. We won't all have to leave our secular jobs like the 12 disciples, but we do need to change our focus and bring Jesus with us to that job because our life is no longer about our job or our education or our goals or our priorities. We are now all about him and what he wants. And he may leave you where you're at because there's a mission for you there. You can do his job there, but you can't leave him in the church on Sunday and go for that during the week. He needs to be with you in everything. He is part of what you do. And by the way, I was thinking about this. I was thinking some of these guys were disciples of John the Baptist, but they didn't follow John the Baptist hundred percent. They followed his teachings, they tried to keep tabs of what he was doing, but they kept going back to their jobs. It wasn't until they met Jesus that they said, hey, this guy's worth following 100%, we're going to give up everything for him. I wonder, maybe it was the diet that they had to eat with John the Baptist. You know, we like this guy, we like his teachings, there's no way we're eating lunch with him, locusts and wild honey. I mean, Jesus didn't eat that great, but it was better than that? When we decide to follow Jesus, everything needs to be seen. Through the eyes of Jesus. Following Jesus should change the way we treat our customers. It should change the way we treat our employees. And our supervisors. The waitress at the restaurant. The gas station attendant. It should change. We still live in the world. But when we're following Jesus, the way we treat everybody else should change because we are following Jesus. Whenever possible, our conversation should point people to Jesus. Instead of talking about ourselves, our accomplishments, and our goals, we should be talking about Him. We should have the attitude of John the Baptist. My desires, my goals must decrease, and His desires and goals must increase Now let me stop right there, this wasn't in my notes. This morning I read a post by an acquaintance of mine, and I'm going to call him an acquaintance because he's not really a close friend. I've met him. I've met him, not really an acquaintance, but we're Facebook friends, Facebook followers. He follows me, I follow him or whatever. And he gave this whole long thing, talking about a conversation that he had last night at a restaurant. He decided to take his kids out to eat, and they came to the restaurant, and the restaurant wanted proof of vaccination and masks. And he's always been, since day one, anti-vax, anti-mask, anti-everything. This whole COVID thing is a hoax. And you know. Okay, and I know there's people here that feel all differently and all kinds of that. I don't want to get into that kind of stuff, okay? There are certain things that I think have gone too far. There are certain requirements that are in place that I would not do if I was in charge, but I'm not the one in charge. But I know there are people on both sides of the aisle. But he went on this whole thing about how he stood up first to the hostess there and let the hostess know that this thing was a hoax and know that mandates are not laws and nobody is required to follow a mandate and a man- mandate is simply the government's overreach and he refuses to get vaccinated. He will not show proof of vaccination because it's a privacy invasion and you can't make me wear a mask because I don't think masks. And then the supervisor, the manager of the restaurant had to come and he let the manager of the restaurant know the same thing. And he said, it's time we all take a stand against this tyranny. And take a stand for what's right. And I'm thinking, I sure hope they don't know that you're a Christian. Because you just soured them on Christianity. I don't care what your views are on masks or vaccinations. People who know me well know where I stand on those kinds of things. Okay, But don't take it out on a manager and a hostess who are simply trying to keep their job. Simply trying to take their restaurants So, If you don't agree with it... Call your congressman, call your legislature, write a letter to the governor. I can't guarantee it'll do any good. But I don't see Jesus standing in a restaurant, letting the manager and the hostess have it because they're requiring something that the law said they were supposed to have. I just don't think it's a good reflection of Christianity. How is that bringing Jesus with me to where I'm at? Okay, enough said on that. Just bug me. If we're going to be like Jesus. Let's be like Jesus. Jesus is not our, just our Savior. He must also be our Lord, our leader, and the one who determines the direction of our lives. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if I said it, but this, this individual was encouraging everyone else to follow his lead and do what he had done. It's time for us as Christians to take a stand. Yeah, we need to take a stand, but that's not the hill I want to die on. Following Jesus means we've given our lives to Jesus as Lord. And we help others do the same. Like Philip who brought Nathaniel to Jesus, and like Andrew who brought Peter, we need to always be introducing others to the one who has changed our life. Jesus had many followers. But most of them followed from a distance. The relationship they had with Jesus is much like the relationship that many have with certain celebrities today. If Jesus were alive today, he would have millions of followers on Facebook, Instagram, and any other platform that he chose to be on, if he chose to be on them. People would anxiously await the latest tweet from Jesus. They'd look forward to the videos of his latest miracle and pop copy and paste the cute, inspirational words of wisdom. That is until Jesus confronted an issue in their own life or asked them to change or give up something to become more like him. The Bible says that happened to Jesus on numerous occasions. You know, we talk about the 12 disciples, but then he also had 72. And then in another place, it talks about a couple hundred. He had a lot of people that followed him, but he only had 12 that followed him that closely. And then 72 that were you know, kind of close. and, and kind of Most of them, they only followed him because they liked the free meals that he gave them. They were there to see the magic show when he performed perform a miracle. They were there because they liked what he's doing. And they'd get on, hey everybody, I was just with Jesus and he did this, it was so cool. You know what disgusts me? Is seeing Christians put something on Facebook. One minute they're posting a scripture, or they're copying and pasting something that they've heard from some great Spiritual teacher, and in the very next post, they're copying and pasting something that has vulgarities and something that's totally anti what they're following. All these people, oh, I like this, oh, I like that. I like... Jesus is just another person to follow. No, Jesus needs to be the person to follow, not just another one to follow. Anytime Jesus said something people didn't want to hear, the Bible says from that time on, many of his disciples left. And no longer followed him. Because I want to follow him for the things that I like. I'm not in it because I want to be like him. I'm in it because I want the blessings that I might get from him. Jesus said, follow me. Learn from me. Do what I do. True followers of Jesus hold on to every word that he speaks. They understand that every command, every teaching... Every requirement is for their own good and is helping them become a better person. They may not understand it. It may not be the way they would do it. But hey, he knows more than I do. I'm going to do it because he's my master. I trust him. He is the source of life. And I know that if I want the abundant life that he promises I have to do it his way, I'm not going to get the abundant life doing it my way. They know that Jesus is greater than they are and they want to be exactly like him. True followers aren't just looking for a savior. They're looking for a Lord. They realize they don't have the answers to life. And they want to submit and learn from someone who does. Jesus must be Lord of all. Or he isn't Lord at all. Jesus won't allow us to treat him like second fiddle in our lives. Being a follower of Jesus means putting Jesus first and foremost in our lives. It means that we put into practice what we learn from Him. It also means we must be willing to listen to Him. Because some people say, well, I want to do what He says, but I'm just going to... It's kind of like a little kid. I can't hear you. And anytime Jesus says something we don't like, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, I didn't hear that. We think if we didn't hear it, a true follower says, I want to know. And I, I may not like it, but I want to know what Jesus said. Because I want to follow him 100%, not just partway. We must be listening to him, trying to find out what he says, and then doing what he says. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asks a very important question. He says, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? In other words, why do you claim to follow me, but you're not even going the same direction I'm going? In the parallel passage from Matthew 7, Jesus declares in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. It's not good enough to say that Jesus is Lord. We show it by our life. Discipleship is about obeying Jesus' commands and doing the will of our Father in heaven. Discipleship isn't about living in a way that pleases us. Rather, it's living a way that pleases God. Following Jesus isn't a loose or casual commitment. It's not just another part of our lives, one compartment of our lives. As a, as a disciple of Jesus, He is supposed to be at the center of our lives. And our lives are supposed to be wholly committed to Him. Over the next couple months, we're going to be, I'm not sure how long it's going to take until I feel like we've, we've, we've done this. I just, this is what God laid in my heart from the beginning of this year. And so over the next couple months, we're going to be exploring what it really means to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. I'm excited about what we're going to learn and the changes that God's going to bring into each of our own lives, including mine, as we look at this. But it all begins with a decision and a desire to be a disciple of Jesus. See, just like the invitation that Jesus gave his disciples, he gives us each the invitation to follow. Jesus didn't go out and grab somebody by the neck and say, hey, you're coming with me whether you like it or not. He didn't send his bodyguards out to bring him in. He said, hey, do you want to follow me? Come. And they decided about. Did they have it all together? Did they understand it all yet? No. But they wanted to understand it. They wanted to change. They knew it was going to be a change of lifestyle. They didn't follow and say, well, we're going to come and we're going to teach Jesus that he's a little bit over the top in some of these areas. We're going to have a calming effect on him. He said, follow me. And they knew exactly what it meant. It meant, come learn from me. And they said, yeah, I want to learn from you. You're my teacher. You're my master. You're my Lord. I'm your servant. Feed into my life. Speak to me. Tell me what to do. I want to learn from the giver of life. Just like the disciples, we get to choose what to do with the invitation. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. There could have been some that Jesus gave the invitation to follow. And they said, no, we know there were some that started following. But then when things got difficult, they turned around and went back home. There could have been some who said, follow. And they went, nah, not today. In fact, he tells a story about that. Remember, one guy says, oh, I'll come. But first, I got to go bury my mother. First, I got to go bring in the crops. First, I got to. It does talk about that. Jesus doesn't force us to follow. But he gives the invitation. Follow me. Learn from me. Become like me. What are we going to do with that invitation? He's saying, follow me. What will we do? Will we continue with our lives the way that we want to live them? And follow from a distance? Just keep tabs on all the great things that are happening? Or will we put our former lives behind us? And live for Him only? Only. I'd like to close today with something that was said by a former pastor and church planter. I say former because he passed away several years ago. A former pastor and church planter named Avery Willis Jr. He says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up. Slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and down with low living. Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need prominence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right first tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. Amen. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot not be bought, compromised, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ." I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go until he comes. Give until I drop. Preach till all I all know. And work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem in recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Just a note. I know I've said this before many times, and I'm going to continue to say it. The name Christian was not a name that believers made up for themselves. It was given to them by unbelievers who observed their lives and realized they were acting like Jesus. They had heard stories about Jesus. And they said, Adi is doing what Jesus did. Adi is saying what Jesus said. He is like Christ. The word Christian means Christ-like. Which means back to what Jesus said. A disciple will become like his master. The student is not above his teacher. But everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. The disciple's goal was to be like Jesus. We're going to follow this man. We're going to learn from him. We're going to become many Jesuses. And guess what? They did. People saw them and said, they didn't have to wear a t-shirt that said, I'm a Christian. People looked at them and said, they're a Christian. They're Christ-like because they had learned from their master. They were great followers and learned from the man they were following. Let's become the kind of disciples that leaves no question as to where our allegiance lies. You know, the people you work with, they shouldn't have to ask. I wonder if maybe they're a follower of Jesus. They shouldn't have to ask that. They should know the answer to that. Let's follow Jesus so closely that everyone knows. I mean, the thing I read, he says, my banner will be clear. Let's make our banner clear, not by the t-shirt, but by our lives. Let's follow Jesus so closely that everyone knows who we belong to and who our Lord is. Follow. We're all following someone. Who are we following? This morning, Jesus is giving the invitation, follow me. let bow your head and close your eyes. There may be somebody in this room that you've been in church your whole life, and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, but the Holy Spirit's been talking to you this morning, saying, you know what? You've been following Jesus from a distance. You've been wanting to know the good things that he says and kind of wanting the excitement that comes along with it, but you're not a true follower. There are things that you're not willing to give up, even though he said them clearly. You're not listening to those things. You get your fingers in your ears. Jesus is giving an invitation this morning saying, follow me. You may not have to give up your job, but will you give up your thoughts, your desires, your way of living and learn his way. You won't be, you'll make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But every day, our goal is to learn more from him. Jesus, what do you have for me today? When I wake up in the morning, God, I don't want to live today for myself. I want to live today for you. I want to recognize your spirit with me everywhere that I go. I want to hear from you. I want your guidance. I want my conversations to be your conversations, not my own conversations. Because my conversations, I know sometimes I get it all wrong. Maybe you've been here for years, but the Holy Spirit's saying you're following, but you're not following closely. You're following from a distance. And you're hearing the invitation this morning, follow me. There may be somebody in this room, maybe this is your first time in church. It's the first time you've ever heard anything about following this man. It starts by first, by you've got to trust that he is who he said he is. But if you really believe that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, there's a lot of people out there who believe that Jesus is God's Son. And yet, they have not chosen to follow this man. If He really is who He says He is, isn't He worth our allegiance? Isn't He worth our energy? Our thought processes? So regardless of which category you're in, how many would be honest and say, I'm not a true follower. But that's my goal. I'm hearing the invitation. Follow me. And today, we talked about new year's resolution a little last week. My eye is going to be on the goal. My eyes are on Jesus. I'm not looking to the right or to the left or looking at all these other things. My eyes are going to be on Jesus. He is my master. He is my lord. I will be the servant. I, from this day forward, will do my best to follow as closely and to learn everything that I can from my new master, Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. No matter what kind of category you find yourself. Okay, a couple hands. Anybody else? I'm following, but I can follow better. Another hand. I'm following, but I'm following from a distance. Another hand, another hand. All over the place, hands going up. He's given the invitation. You've been following, but you haven't given up everything to follow, or you haven't been willing to give up everything to follow. He's saying, You have the invitation. There's two more hands. Follow me. What will you do with that? Follow me.